0: This episode is sponsored by Mint Home Loans. With mortgage interest rates nearing all-time lows, now is the time to see what options you may qualify for. Make Mint Home Loans your trusted partner for all your mortgage needs. In today's times, your money matters. Shop local with Mint at 410-458-6847 for any home loan questions you may have. Welcome to Life's Tough, You Can Be Tougher. I'm Dustin Plantle, your host. This is a show about life and purpose. It's about the stories we all have. Everyone, when you think about it, well, they have a story. Yet some stories seem more riveting than others. That is to be expected. Not every story, after all, is the basis for a movie. Or the basis for a blockbuster miniseries. The point is to use your story to make a difference. To make an impact. Our guest today, Rodney Harrington, he has made an impact. Adding chlorine to drinking water is one of the greatest health inventions in human history. From 1908, when the practice began in the USA, to 1940, when it was used in most cities, waterborne diseases such as typhoid and cholera were eliminated. Life expectancy went from 47 to 63. Our guest, Rodney Harrington, his company, Aqua Research, has saved countless lives in more than 50 countries, and the device that he's created has been responsible for that. Let's bring him on today. Rodney Harrington, welcome to Life's Tough, You Can Be Tougher.
1: Thank you, Dustin. Appreciate it. Uh, We look forward to talking to
0: you. And Rodney, you have an amazing story. You know, something that started, I imagine, not just today, where you're the CEO founder of this company, Auker Research, but What's your journey been like on a personal level? I mean, what are some of the things you've experienced?
1: Well, I mean, uh, I'm an engineer by training. And uh, 25 years ago, I found my way into the water space, primarily through disinfection technologies. But uh, we had, uh, you know, developed this technology in another company and then started uh, uh, another company called Myox early on. And uh, I was one of the founders of that company and developed most of the technology. And along the way, uh, DARPA, Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, heard about us and said, look, can you make a system that can treat any water anywhere at EPA drinking water quality for you know, the military, for soldiers, for reconnaissance guys. So we came up with a little handheld device and then also reverse osmosis hand pump, very efficient. <clears throat> And the, comp- the company was primarily interested in the disinfection component. We were commercializing large-scale technology, but we we did the little purifier device, and, uh, commercialized it through uh, uh, REI or the Cascade Design, and uh, it was it had some difficulties. It was a innovative product at the time when it came out, but it used. Uh, one-time use camera batteries and uh, ten years ago things changed and I left MYOX and started aqua research and I realized at the time with cell phone technology coming along and uh, you know batteries lithium ion rechargeable batteries solar panels getting cheap that I can upgrade this device and make a technology that somebody in the developing world could really use I mean, the problem in the developing world is you have to have a logistics train to keep chlorine going in. You have to keep providing filters, and, and it's a well-known fact that chlorine is the solution to disease. You can eat a little dirt, you know, but you don't eat the bugs. And you know, as long as we can disinfect, so I came up with another little device, a second-generation device called H2Go Purifier, a little handheld device. And that little device only uses solar power. It's got a solar panel on it. And salt, anybody in the world has salt. And so I I felt really compelled to develop this technology for people in the developing world that really uh, was logistics-free in terms of continuing to provide disinfection with bleach or whatever. And I saw the power of this technology to really help people in the developing world. And so we developed it, we launched it, We've worked with a lot of NGOs around the world. You know, this little device has been deployed in places like Nepal in the earthquake. It's uh, been in lots of disasters all over the world. It's been distributed in, you know, many, many countries now. And then we're also developing larger systems that can treat communities. We've got these systems in uh, health care facilities and, uh, you know, orphanages and schools and you know, communities for drinking water treatment, but it just uses salt, you know, it's just, the that's salt remarkable. Is-
0: you, you know, and, and it's so. interesting in the United States, you know, there is this idea that all children have access to clean drinking water and every adult does, but where I grew up in California in a very small town, you know, the drinking water that we had, uh, it was Brown. It was, it was dirty. Um, and why is that? I mean, aren't we now in a day and age where that shouldn't be happening?
1: Well, true. I mean, I argue that it shouldn't be happening anywhere in the world, okay? In the United States, fortunately, uh, we started chlorinating our water in 1908 in Boonton, New Jersey. And by 1940, we had eliminated typhoid and cholera. And so today, people drink water out of their taps. I mean, there's a lot of bottled water, don't get me wrong. But you can, generally speaking, across the United States, take water out of your tap and it's EPA drinking water quality And you don't worry about it. You don't worry that you'd get sick from it. Now, there are cases like, you know, uh, Michigan, where they had the, Flint, Michigan, where they had the problem, or you may have seen some brown water here and there. So there are occasions when things like that happen. But generally, the regulatory agencies, the municipalities are keeping a close eye on that, and they'll call for a boil water notice or tell people to start drinking bottled water uh, to mitigate that problem. Flint is a little bit of a different situation and it wasn't microorganisms so much as it was lead leaching in the water. But generally speaking, in the United States and Japan and Europe and other places that are industrialized and uh, generally prosperous, they have drinking water regulations in place that make our water ubiquitous. You just open the tap, you expect it to be there, and it's safe. Now, this is not the case in developing countries. You know, 3 million people die every year from waterborne disease. It's what? one of the least causes of death 3 in the world.
0: million deaths just from the yeah. water.
1: Just from water. Waterborne disease. Half the hospital beds in developing countries are populated by people with waterborne disease. It's bugs. It's bugs in the water. It's lack of chlorination. And as cheap as chlorination is to produce, you know, it ought to be everywhere. But uh, countries don't have the economics to do it, they don't have the infrastructure to put the piping and water plants in, and people in rural settings, a lot of places, are drinking bad water. It's all they've got. And so uh, it's, uh, you know, it's my mission, quite frankly, to solve the disinfection problem, not filtration so much. You can you, It's nice to have the dirt out of the water, but it's more important to kill the bugs in the water, Chlorine and every health organization in the world from CDC to USA, to world health, you know, the World Health Organization, all of them promote chlorine use. And so I think we have a solution that makes it very easy for anybody in the world to chlorinate their water. And we're talking about people in developing countries, mothers and their families taking care of their kids, schools, and things like that. Uh, today with COVID, you know, a lot of, lot of chlorine is being consumed with sanitation for COVID. There are actually water utilities that are not getting chlorine because of the need for sanitizing for COVID. And when you, when you're talking about chlorine, you have to buy the chlorine, you have to transport it, you know, all this stuff, it ages and decays. With our technology, all you have to have is salt and a little bit of power, solar power for the little handheld devices. And a little bit of car batteries or solar panels for the larger type systems for communities and so forth. So it's uh, uh, we we believe we have the solution. I
0: mean, you're making you know? a difference. When people talk about making an impact, you're extending lives all over the world. What have some of those stories been like that you've heard?
1: I mean, what? well, they've been very good, quite frankly. Um, some, you know, these hospitals get our technology, and you know they. They're running our systems 24 hours a day to, to produce chlorine for various applications. Uh, we have people in developing countries, mothers, you show these devices to them, show them how they work. They know they're keeping their kids safe. They, you know, you couldn't pry it out of their hands. You know, they know the value of the technology in, in saving their lives. So it's, uh, we, you know, we, I don't know who all were, whose lives we're saving, but I know we are. You know, I can't name them by name, but I do know that this technology definitely saves lives. We get plenty of feedback from the non-government organizations that we're working with, that it's very important technology. And so we're, we're just trying to get our logo out there as the safe water symbol, so to speak, uh, kind of like Apple is on an iPhone or, you know, computer. So, you know, that's our mission. That's our That's our ideal, you know, and so we've just, we're just trying to figure out how to overcome all those issues and get it out there.
0: So what's your goal? I mean, you've already accomplished quite a bit. You've now left an impact. You've got a device that is helping people all over the planet. Where do you go from here?
1: It's, it's getting it deployed worldwide. There's 1 billion people that don't have access to safe water worldwide. We've, We've barely scratched the surface. So you know, I'm, I'm 71 years old. I don't have wow. you know, a lot of left. you know. You
0: got your mojo and, about you, Roddy. Don't, don't stop, you know,
1: man. Maybe 10 years to really get this implemented worldwide. So my mission in life right now is to get this technology deployed. We've got it developed. We've got it field proven. You know, we've just got to get this stuff deployed worldwide on a larger scale. And that's one of the reasons, quite frankly, we're talking to you today.
0: So take me back. Where'd you grow up?
1: Well, I was an Air Force brat growing up. I was born in Japan, and then my dad traveled the world, uh, you know, from Germany to New Hampshire to Alabama to Texas to you name it, and I finished high school in, uh, in East Texas, Kilgore, Texas.
0: So you were, you were sports, so were you football, baseball? What would you play?
1: Well, I ran track, and I did football, but I wasn't that great at it, quite frankly, and we moved to Kilgore when I was a junior, so I was... It was kind of disruptive in the sports stuff. But I, I went on to Texas A&M University. I got a bachelor's in aerospace engineering.
0: Aerospace
1: engineering. And then, Wow. Yeah. That's, that's bragging well, rights, we, I got to say. Well, and then I got a master's in mechanical engineering and then took business courses and then started working at various companies. I uh, worked at Texas Instruments the first five years, and then started a company. I had the entrepreneurial spirit. I wasn't married yet. I didn't get married till I was 30. <clears throat> so a buddy of mine from high school and I started construction business, and we got off in the oil field business, and that blew apart in the early 80s. And that's when I moved to – I had an uncle. We worked at Los Alamos National Laboratory, and I went to work for an engineering company up there. And uh, we did a lot of uh, engineering – and, you know, design. Quite frankly, for the Department of Energy, <clears throat> but we developed this electrolytic technology on the side there under government contracts, and we launched Myox in '94. Now, I had gone to 10 Denver uh, for ten years and ran operations up there for the company, and then we started Myox in '94, and I moved to Albuquerque, and I've been here ever since. And so, I've been in electrolytics, water technology, making technologies for making water safe and, uh, and I've gotten, when I realized the power of this technology for the developing world, you know, it, uh, it's compelling. It really is to, uh, to know that you can create something that can really save a lot of lives and improve humanity. I mean, not only are you keeping them from getting sick, you know, now they can be more productive. They can go to school more days. They, they're, you know, they're not fighting illness. And hopefully it can help them, uh, you know, improve their lives and save lives. So it's, it's a pretty compelling, uh, you know, I, I grew up in a, with a very religious mother, you know, who imparted some of that on me. And, it, you know, it's part of my background and wanting to do good to help humanity and that type of thing. So, so that's I'm where per- the
0: empathy came from. I was going to ask you, like. So you have this empathy for others and, and there are some people that have it and other people that don't, that you didn't get into this to get rich. You got into this to leave an impact. And then your purpose, think, when did you find your purpose?
1: That, that, that is, that is my purpose. I found it a few years ago, particularly when I started awkward research and realized what we could do. And uh, that's been the focus. Uh, I am a, you know, I have to admit, I'm a capitalist. We're, we're not a non-for-profit. We're a for-profit company, but we have investors that helped us get along, you know, to this point, get this technology out there. It's what startups have to do. And uh I've been, you know, pretty successful uh, selling the business plan. I've got great supporters. They like the they like the mission as well as the potential for making money with the investments. So they they like to uh like to feel good but do good as well, financially. And so I mean, how many hours,
0: if I can ask in terms of, how many hours has it taken to get here? I mean, looking over your career to to get you to this spot, what does it take? You know, when we talk about entrepreneurs, that they are built from a different kind of cloth or clay in that they have a mindset and that is, all it takes is all I got. That it's going to take everything I'm capable of giving. So, what's it been like for you? How many hours has this taken?
1: It takes... Well, you ask my wife, it takes too many. You know, I mean, it's, it takes a lot of hours and you have to be committed to it. As you say, I think there is a certain, you know, uh, drive that entrepreneurs have that uh, you, you've got to look past all the naysayers. You've got to just keep plugging. You, you cannot let it fail. You have to do whatever it takes to make sure it does not fail and you keep your mission alive. And you keep you keep pushing forward. I kind of see uh, the business world or the, the progress as a field of brick walls. Some are wide, and some are tall, and you hit them all the time. And you got to work your way around them or over them. But somewhere at the far end is the mission. You know, the pot of gold. If you if it's money as your objective, it's not necessarily here. Uh, but it's it's saving lives. It's doing something for humanity. <clears throat> I'm not building rocket ships, you know, but I do be, believe that, uh, uh, I can help, you know, humanity and some of its fundamental needs.
0: Absolutely. And what advice would you give to some younger entrepreneurs, a, a younger version of you that, that have this crazy idea and they've been trying to get it out of their head? What do they do? How do they get it out? And then what should they expect along their journey?
1: Well, um, They've got to be entirely convicted <clears throat> excuse me, of what they're trying to do. Uh, they have to go forward against uh, and overcome every objective along the way. And young kids, I think, you know, when we were all young, you're, you're sitting there and you're maybe a little intimidated to talk to older people and you're, you know, wondering how to get stuff done. And I would say to any young kid, Uh, young kids, people, college, whatever, (laughs) to find mentors. I mean, people, older guys who succeeded or know how to do it, love to tell these younger kids how to do it because they're not threatened by them and they really want to help them succeed, particularly if they see that drive, you know? So, uh, yeah, we, kids go talk to, find some mentors, talk to anybody. Don't be afraid to talk to anybody. Find out about business, find out about law, find out about, you know, actual property if it's technical that you're dealing with. Find about the market, you know, how you market and sell the technology. You know, seek out the experts and, and go talk to
0: them. Well said. And how do we learn more about Aqua Research?
1: <clears throat> well, our website is www.aquaresearch.com. And uh, that's our website. Uh, we've got a lot of information on the website. Uh, if you contact us, we'll be glad to provide you uh, any information that you're interested in. Uh, so, yeah, it's uh, it, you know we're, we're out there with our little website. Wonderful. Well,
0: thank you so much, and Ryan. And talking to people,
1: uh, talking to people like you to uh, you know get the word out. So, yeah, it's that's I. Just keep plugging, you know?
0: Well, you're doing a fantastic job. And I will tell you, to, for someone like on, on my side, where hearing your story of success, hearing your story of dedication is what helps push people like me to keep going. That no matter what you do in life, don't quit, don't give up. And that while life's tough, in this case, Rodney Harrington is tougher. Thank you so much, Rodney, for coming on the show.
1: Thank you, Dustin. I certainly appreciate it.
0: And for the listeners out there, we talked to Rodney about his story how he got here, and what fuels him, what his purpose is. And while he has not met or spoken to all of the people in the world he's touched, what he knows is that he's made a difference. Never underestimate the valuable and important difference you make in every life you touch, for the impact you make today has a powerful, rippling effect on every tomorrow. Life's tough. You can be tougher.